Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. I am so excited to share our last episode of 2018, and it is with one of you. It is my final and last Do Something highlight. Much more on that at the end of this episode. You are listening to episode 134 with Heather Ware. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I am here to teach you how to take back your life and dare to progress towards bettering yourself, honing your gifts, and using them for good in the world. Listen in to be inspired by others who are walking the same path of self-improvement paired with self-love, and to be a part of a community that knows life is about progress, not perfection. If you've ever had the chance to live abroad for for any amount of time, you know how life-changing this can be. I did my study abroad in London and it was 12, no, actually 14 years ago. That's crazy. But I still look back on that time as completely transformative. It is one of those moments that changed so much of who I am and what I am passionate about and what I love and who I've become. So I'm here today to share an interview with Heather Ware. She is my do something highlight today. This is short for do something that scares you. And it's where I highlight you, the listeners or people that you know, and the way that they are showing up in their lives to be a little bit more daring and to try new things that help them prove to themselves what they are capable of. Heather had to move her whole family of four children to Japan, and they lived there for three years. It was something she did not have a desire to do before that, and she imagined it to be very, very difficult and hard for her. 
But what she discovered was she was the one who was enjoying it the most, and it was the most transformative thing of her life. And it changed so much of how she viewed herself and the world around her. And now they're back in the States, and it's changed how they're living now. I think you're going to really enjoy hearing how this all took place for Heather and what she has learned that you can learn from her without having to live abroad. So let's turn to my time with Heather. I want to welcome Heather Ware to the show. Hi, Heather. Hi, Monica. It's so great to have you on. We had such a good conversation, uh, such a good phone conversation. Was it like two months ago now? I don't even know. Time it seems was- like it was a while ago. I think it was last month. Okay, yeah. Well, I'm in totally in baby fog land still, but you were so, so fun to talk to. I immediately feel like we should be best friends and neighbors. A little stalkerish, but it's true. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Okay, good. I'm glad this is two-sided. Heather, can you introduce yourself to my listeners? Sure. Yeah, I am a mom of four. Um, We have a 14-year-old son and then 10-year-old twin girls. And then my little guy is seven. They're all in school full day now, and it's wonderful. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, it's great. It's a whole new adventure. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. It really is. And I'm liking this stage a lot. Um, We live in Utah now. Um, We've lived in Utah most of our married lives. We've been married almost um, 17 years now. That's, That's awesome. basically me. I'm I'm not very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so we are here because you reached out to me to tell me just this incredible story of how you had to move to Japan, which was so far out of your comfort zone and never something you wanted to try. But in the end, doing that something that was very scary and very challenging completely transformed your life. And it's transformed so much of how you view the world and how you live now Mm -hmm. and everything Mm -hmm. about you internally. It's just so fascinating to me. How about you start from the beginning why did you have to move to Japan, and how did you initially feel about it? Well, it was about four and a half years ago. Um, my husband had the opportunity to move um, for his company to Japan, and it, it's really funny because we'd always wanted to live abroad, but I tagged along on a business trip with him a few years before that, and we went to Tokyo, and I said, you know how we always said we wanted to live abroad? Just not here. This place is crazy. <laughs> And I felt really intimidated by, like, the train. The train system is, you know, it's out of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and when I went there initially, I thought it was out of this world terrible and scary. But now I realize it's out of this world amazing. It really yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Um, but it took some time to kind of familiarize myself with that and get comfortable with it. But anyway, so he calls me one day and says, they're offering me this. And we have like 24 hours to decide. Um, and I was sick. So I, uh, I told him, like, no, that's crazy. No one takes four kids. Our, our youngest was um, two, I think, at the time. Wow. And I had this horrible back injury. And I was like, no one, no one takes four kids and moves across the world, first of all. And secondly, I don't think that, you know, moving to the largest city on earth where your main mode of transportation is walking is a really great idea for me right now Yeah. with this injury that I had. Um, hmm. So I, I, I told him, um, I would tell you no, but I really like your boss. So 
I won't tell you no right now, but I'll, I'll call you back in an hour and I'll tell you no. But I want, but I like your boss a lot and I want to make it look like I'm thinking about it. <laughs> yes. But I, um, you know, I had already decided no. But in that hour, I don't know what happened. Um, but I called him back and I said, you know, let's talk about this when you get home. And long story short, we ended up moving to Japan. So um, thankfully, we had about six months before we left. We could kind of get our feet under us and wrap yeah. our minds around this and, and, you know, find an apartment and find some schools for the kids and things. Um, but okay. that's how we ended up there. Okay. And so how, much, how long did you live there for then? We were there for three years. Okay, so you went from like, no, never, to going across the world and living there for three years, which is no small feat. Uh -huh. Tell us about what this adjustment was like for you and what kind of it taught you about yourself and then the world, what it taught you about. I mean, there's so much there. I'm sure you could write a book, but what was really standing out that, to you? There really is. Go. There's, you know, there's this whole, you know, other world of, you know, expats and people who live abroad. And, you know, we all have such, you know, kind of different and amazing experiences. Um, there's a lot of people who do this, I didn't realize, you yeah. know. Mm -hmm. um, but I, at first, I thought, you know, my husband's been traveling to Japan for probably about six years at that time. And he's comfortable with the country and the city and he's comfortable, you know, everyone in his office spoke English. So there wasn't going to be a lot of, you know, transition for him. The kids would go to an English speaking school, but I'm the one going, taking the kids to the doctor and getting groceries and, you know, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. facilitating everyone's life in a country that I'm unfamiliar with and where there's a language barrier. So I was a little bit nervous about it. And I think I got to the point where I said, you know, it's going to be good for us as a family. I think collectively I might be the one who bears the brunt of the burden, mm -hmm. um, but it will be a really good experience for the kids. And I went there with that kind of uh, an attitude, and I quickly realized that that's not how it was going to be. I was the one who was probably enjoying it the most. And, really? and getting the most out of it and loving it. The mo I, I loved it so much. I would have stayed longer if I could have, but so what shifted they brought for us you? home. Like once you were there, uh, how, why did that happen, that switch? So I think it initially happened because, you know, the people of Japan are so kind and so polite and so friendly and so generous and so helpful. And um, the city is a great place to raise kids and I think that's initially where I started but you know then f even further we had a great support system the kids school the parents there are wonderful um, the teachers and staff are wonderful we had a really good support system with that with our church family with our neighbors um, we just had a really great experience with all of the people in our inner circle that were very supportive and could help us with anything that we needed. So that was really great. Also, the people in my husband's office were just fantastic with helping us with anything that we needed. Um, if there was a language barrier or anything like that. But I think um, what really kind of changed things for me long term, not just, you know, there in Japan, but also what I brought home with me and that's 
kind of change the course of of our family's life and direction in life is um, kind of just the fact that it it life's not as easy as it is here. It takes longer to do things like just get your groceries or get where you need to go. You don't really drive anywhere. It's not it's not very feasible or convenient. So you know, you walk or you ride your bike or you take the metro, which takes longer than if you were to just hop in your car and get where you need to go here. So I found myself, um, you know, just trying to kind of replicate our lives. It was just harder to execute the normal daily things that we did. Um, so I, I had to evaluate my priorities and cut things out. And I thought, you know, at first I kind of thought of it as a sacrifice. And then I realized, I mean, it just seems so silly now to think of that as a sacrifice because in cutting things out of our schedule, I realized I found a freedom that I had no idea was possible. In saying no to the extra things, I feel like we gained so much, just me personally and as a family. And I've I'd never been happier in my life. We were really able to just reap the richest of rewarding experiences when we weren't rushing from one activity to the next and always feeling tired and busy and burned out. And in, in between those, you know, things that we were doing, we were able to really live life when we were saying no to being so busy all the time. Okay. So what I'm seeing here, you had to dare to live a lot differently than you had been. So there was that element. And then there was letting yeah. go. You had to let go of a lot of things and you yeah. had to be more open. So those are big, those are three big things, like big shifts that you have to make internally. But what were the rewards of doing so? What changed for you and how did you grow from that? So, so one thing um, I think that happened to me was, well, I'll tell you a story. My parents came, I think our second year there and they wanted to go somewhere specific. So we're driving in the car to this place and I got lost and, you know, my my Google Maps rerouted me, and then we're going through this, like, refinery district. Nothing's out there. There's nothing out there. There's You can't see anything or anyone except for all these refineries. And my dad was saying, like, what, what do you do? You can't get back to where you need to go. Like, you don't speak this language. What if your battery in your phone dies? Yeah. And oh. I was telling him, like, yeah, that is... I mean, sounds scary, right? It is kind of always there in the back of my mind, like, what would I do if something like that happened? But I will say this, like, every day I was faced with um, uncomfortable situations. I was always, always out of my comfort zone. Um, talking to people, trying to get where I needed to go, oh, my gosh, driving was, you know, it's hard. it was hard at first. And just all of those things, every single day, I felt like I was out of my comfort zone in some way, at some point, um, for some amount of time. And <laughs> after day. so long, yeah, almost every day. And after doing that for so many days in a row, I mean, you come home and you realize, like, hey, I feel like a superhero, that yeah. your family is home, safe, under one roof. You have food in the house and everyone's got clothing you know, it's just you, your baseline is different than it used to be. And you really feel like, wow, like I, I rocked today. Everyone's alive. We're all home safe. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm not, you know, living in Tokyo is not like that. It's not like we were unsafe or anything, but it's just 
um, just feeling that you eventually learn to be confident that you can solve any problem that, you know, kind of comes your way because you have a lot of experience doing it. So I was telling him, like, I feel great about myself. Like, every single day, I feel amazing. When I get home, I just feel like I've accomplished something, whatever it is today. I bought vegetables or I bought, you know, a can. I remember one time I bought a can of mushrooms. I had no idea where to find it. And it was labeled in Japanese, but I talked to the guy and I got myself that can of mushrooms and we had dinner that night with that can of mushrooms and I just felt amazing. And that's not something that I would ever experience in that same way in the U.S. where you just go to the grocery store and you buy yourself a can of mushrooms. It's fine. Okay. Love that. I mean, it's just, it's so little, but it's so not. I mean, that challenge that you pushed yourself through every day was hard but also so victorious and that's what I love Mm -hmm. about progress that it's not easy but it's so much it's so much more transformative than just living within your comfort zone and I feel like you got to experience that literally and figuratively in so many ways so now as you're adjusting back to living in the states uh how how did you feel that shift within yourself as you were back in where you used to be and how did you feel different and what about has uh, changed in your family dynamics or in even just how you are viewing your, yourself and your own life again so when I came home uh you know immediately after coming home I feel like you know we just we felt very much the same but it's been over a year now and as time has gone on you just kind of get back into your comfortable routines but when we first got back um i think the the most common question that we would get is um you know are you so happy to be home and doesn't living in another country just make you so grateful for all that we have here and i do not really know how to feel that question so many times because um i think you know people asking it that way a lot just kind of gives you the general idea that, um, and I, and I do realize we do have so much here. We do have so much and so many opportunities. And I realize that, and I love that about, um, our country. But also I think that one thing that's kind of missing is, um, the attitude that there are so many things also to be taken from other places and other cultures and other people and and so my answer was you know not necessarily I it just makes me so grateful for what I have learned there and the things that they have given me and all the places that we were able to travel we were able to see different ways of living that are so wonderful and so different from our own and so I was able to feel like um, you know those things are great too and we wanted to bring all those things back with us. So, so, you know, one of the things that we did was just kind of really evaluate what we loved about living there and um, how we wanted to implement that into our life when it's so easy to live a different way. You know, I feel like uh, in our country sometimes excess is just laid at our feet daily all of the time and sometimes I feel like we buy into 
this lie that the more that we consume, the more satisfied we'll be. And that's not necessarily the case. So, and I think as parents, we naturally want to give our kids like all the opportunities and experiences that life can offer. So we kind of just fill life to the brim with all those things that are available to us, thinking it will create, you know, the happiest, the most capable children possible. But one thing I learned from the life that I had there is that that's not always the case. That's, in fact, far from the case most of the time, I think. It doesn't always happen that way. So, you know, in my situation, I was kind of forced to slow down and forced to cut things out of my schedule and just open up time in my life and in my relationships and, you know, in my mind for more slowness and stillness and that sort of thing. And then we moved back here and suddenly, you know, things are easier to do. I get in the car, I go to the grocery store and I come home. I can get, you know, so much stuff at once, which wasn't the case there. I had to go to the grocery store several, several times a week um, to keep on top of things because we had six mouths to feed. Mm And, um, you know, here it's not the case. I can, if I, if I choose to, fill my life up to the brim again and just, you know, rush from one thing to the next. Um, but I realized how numbing that kind of is. Wow. Yeah. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that again. I didn't want to kind of fall back into that again. So, so we don't. I leave so much you know, leeway in my life now for things where before I did it out of necessity, like, you know, you run into things you're not familiar with. And, and, you know, there's always something that goes awry, you know, when you're unfamiliar in in a different country, and if you don't leave that leeway, then it can turn into a crisis, where if you do, it just kind of becomes an adventure or, or whatever. But um, I just kind of left that leeway in my life a little bit. Um, just extra time for whatever comes up and and it's really great it helps you know our relationships within our family because I'm not always rushing kids out the door I'm not always you know let's get our shoes on go 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 we're going to be late I feel like that's kind of the way that a lot of people live just because that's the way a lot of people live it's just just what we do you know as a society we eat dinner in the car and we're rushing our kids from place to place to place all the time and I don't know, maybe some people get fulfillment from that kind of thing, but I know I didn't. I realized I didn't. You learned that you did it too, right? I mean, that's what what taught you that. And my goodness, that's why I loved uh, hearing more about this because, like you said, it it numbs us, this busyness, this... um, this materialistic life too. I mean, everything about go, go, Mm -hmm. go, get, get, get is numbing and we lose our, our relationship with ourselves and with our families. And that's what I think has been so interesting to me about how this has all changed so much for you. Um, Heather, this is just so, so fun. If there was one thing you hope people can learn from your experience studying, going abroad um, with your family, what would it be before we say goodbye? I think it would probably just be, and the most valuable thing that my husband and I have found for ourselves is to truly evaluate your priorities. I know sometimes it's hard to let things go and to say, I don't really care as much about this you know, mm-hmm. but, um, but we had to do that. And it was wonderful. Wow. It was wonderful. 
you learn that a lot of things are just, um, you know, maybe like a status symbol in your mind or mm-hmm. I, I don't know, you know, it just was really great to, to have to let go of things so we could really um, figure out what we missed what we wanted in our lives and what we did not miss at all and what we didn't want to spend our time and our energy and our resources on. And that's honestly most things. Most things just don't matter to us. There are a few things that we do really care about, and those are the things that we want to spend, you know, our hours on and our money on and our energy on and then not always feel like we're depleted of those things. Well, and the good thing is we can learn this from you, Heather. Maybe we don't have to go um, live across the world to learn this. But I, I mean, I hope I don't have to. But I I don't know. It seems more exciting now to think about that. But I love that I can learn that from you and take stock of where I'm focused right now and what is really serving me and my family better and what's not. So I'm so, so grateful that you reached out to me. It was so fun to highlight you today. Thank you, Heather. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed my talk with Heather. And yeah, just living our lives with more intentionality is what I'm really seeing come out to me here. It's like slapping me in the face. Being more purposeful about how I'm choosing to be busy and what really matters in terms of what I do and what I buy and who I talk to and what I'm focused on. I can totally get caught up in the materialism. And fortunately for me, I have to live small because I live in a really small house and in a really expensive state. And in some weird ways, I'm grateful for that because it forces me to take a really careful look at what I'm bringing into the home and what I'm spending my money on. But I love this whole confidence that Heather gained too. I hope that you learn from her to push yourself, to go outside of your comfort zone and see where it takes you. I can promise you from my own personal experience, I didn't have to move out of the country to be transformed, but I did have to dare to be a little bit more different. And I know you can do that too. If you've been listening to the podcast the last month or so, you know that there are some big changes coming next week. This was my last episode of 2018 and also my last do something highlight. Now this is so important. I love ending on a high note of listening from someone who is part of the About Progress community. That means not someone who is in the influencer business or someone who might be a quote-unquote expert, but someone who is in their day-to-day lives, changing themselves and have things to share. Now, I don't want you to be disappointed that I am no longer doing Do Something Highlights because what is coming is so much more than that. I need to hear you on this show, your words, your voice. You do have not just something to contribute, but so many things to contribute to this show. Each month will have its own special theme and all the interviews I do will be devoted to that theme. But with that, there's a lot more to come with printables and ways for you to track your progress on that theme. But this is the biggest, most important part of the puzzle. You, you need to record your voice or send me words that you want me to share over the show. Our last episode of every single month will feature our listeners. I would love, love it if I could actually have a voice memo from your phone of you sharing in your own words something that you learned that month or implemented, a tip that's related to the theme, a funny story about your own progress, how you've grown, whatever it is, 
so that we can have it on the show. The last episode will be a collection of those voice memos, as well as I can read. If you would rather email me your words, I would love to read out what you have learned. And I hope in doing that, that we can better prop up this community, learn from each other, as well as be more accountable for what we are learning from this show and how we are implementing it to real change and growth in our lives. I'm so excited for what is to come. So buckle up and join me next week for the first episode of the new year and the first episode to our new format. I'll see you next time. And remember, life is about progress, not perfection. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.